Well, good afternoon. It's good. I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> Thank you, Robert, for for noticing that. <laughs> Robert always keeps us on our toes. I love that, brother. <laughs> we just want to say welcome to all of our visitors. We're so glad that the Lord have let you to be with us today. Uh, we're glad to see our moms in the house, working the kids, and we're just glad to be in the service. If you would, um, please turn with me to Colossians chapter 1, and we'll begin at verse 24, and we'll read to the end of the chapter. And while you're finding your place there, I want to just begin with an introduction. I'd like to just give a little bit of background to remind us again. We've kind of been away from from, uh, Colossians, and so I want to just give us uh, just a refresher, if you would. So Colossae was a thriving community, uh, but a lot of things has changed. Uh, It used to be a great city, but it became a small town, a community of people, Uh, The exact number during that time um, that made up the population wasn't known. Uh, The people that lived in the area at the time of this letter, when it was written, there were both Jews and Gentiles in the area. And they eventually would become a local church or a local congregation. And in that region, uh, Paul would reach out to them. Because of the false teachers in the surrounding area, Paul thought that they were a threat to this this church that was in in the area. Paul, as an apostle, took the responsibility to care for the well-being of this church, the spiritual health, if you would, of this church. He wanted the church in Colossae to be clear in their understanding as it relates to the preeminence of Christ in both doctrine and practice. He wanted them to be clear in what they believed in, right? And so he penned this letter. He saw the potential dangers uh, this church would face. Paul later introduces this in Colossians 2 and 8, well, he's going to dig a little bit deeper about what's going on at this time. According to Colossians 4 and 10, Paul is writing from a prison cell, probably in Rome. So this really shows how much Paul um, loved the church, right? It shows his zeal for the church, the false teaching, even though He had never met them. He wanted them to beware of the dangers. And so he reached out from a prison cell to remind them of the hope that they have in Christ. Christians. Christians should know the Lord. Christians should know the Lord personally intimately, reverently, theologically, and practically. We should know the Lord. And so the question that we'll have to deal with is, do we know the Lord in those ways? And what areas can we improve? So do you know him in those ways? Are you pursuing Christ in those ways. These are some of the ways Christians can know God. Here's what I want you to know at the end of the day. Here's what I want you to get out of this. I'm going to go ahead and put my cards on the table, if you would. Through the sufferings of Christ upon the cross, And by the shedding of his blood, we have confidence to share 
in his glory because Jesus lives and is at work in us. That, that's how we are to be living, right? We're, we're not a hopeless people. We're a people of understanding. And so, therefore, we have confidence. And so, let's now read the Word of God and let us draw from it the riches that are found therein. Colossians 1, 24 through 29. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, that is, the church of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden from ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Let us pray and ask for God's help. Our Lord and our God, this is your holy word, your set-apart word, the word that feeds us, the word that strengthens us, your word. Lord, we thank you for the word. We pray that your word would help us, that we might glorify you the more, that we might even share in the sufferings of Christ, so that we might bring glory to your name. Help us, O oh God, to glean from your word, that we might use it and apply it to our lives. Help us, Lord, to not be overtaken by the things of life, but help us to be engaged with your word. May your word captivate us. May we stare into it and see ourselves. Lord, we ask you to help us for we're weak. And we ask all these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. So I've entitled the sermon, Are You Pursuing the Glory of God in Christ? To say it another way, are you sharing in the sufferings of Christ? Paul saw suffering quite different from most. For him, it was very costly to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. He suffered all kinds of persecution. He was beaten. He was insulted and even imprisoned. But for him, it was worth it. It was worth it. And so that should have us to think, what is it costing us to remain faithful to God? What, what does that mean to us? When we think about, are we suffering for the sake of Christ? Are we pursuing the glory of God? And so, 
The first thing I like to say is, are you pursuing the glory of God in Christ in suffering? So I'm going to talk about a couple of ways we can glorify Christ. The first way is suffering. So in verse 24, we learn to participate in the sufferings of Christ. According to this verse, Paul understood suffering as benefiting. Right? He saw suffering as advancing the church of Christ. In Philippians 2.17, Paul states, Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your sake, I, I mean of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. He saw his ministry and life as an offering to Christ and his bride, the church. Our outlook in life is very important because we don't always like what we see. Our outlook is important. We want things to be pleasant at all times. We don't want anything to shake stuff up. We don't like suffering. Amen? In many cases, we like things to feel good. Right? We just got to be real. We just got to admit it. Right? We don't like pain, difficulty, all of these things. So we have to ask ourselves, how do we view and think about suffering when it comes to our lives? Is it, um, are we thinking about it in the way that is biblical, according to Scripture? So do we see suffering as useless or unnecessary? Do we just want it? To go away? Or do we say, Lord, I don't understand what you're doing right now, but I understand to know you as the God, the sovereign one who rules the heavens and the earth. You providentially control everything in my life, and so I'm going to trust you even though I don't understand it all. Are we saying that? Or are we saying something else that does not represent Christ? Or does not represent our position in Christ. And so these are some questions we want to ask ourselves. The Lord Jesus said this about suffering. Well, let's look at it. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 5 and beginning at verse 10. We have to ask ourselves, are we thinking about suffering in the same way? Matthew 5, beginning at verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. It kind of sounds like what Paul was saying, right? It looks like a benefit. It looks like our advance through suffering, according to the words of the Lord. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you, and utter all kinds, you hear insults? See that, right? Utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. And it's the same thing that Paul was saying, right? Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great. Your reward is great. Your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Are we thinking like that? Persecution was a cultural practice during the time this letter was penned. Paul was in prison under persecution at the time of the letter. So I guess as Christians, we ought to, to expect difficulty. It should be something that we're embracing Right? We shouldn't be surprised when we see difficult circumstances. We must be ready to face all kinds of adversity because there will be hardships. Right? 
The word of God indicates that we are to anticipate ridicule, ridicules because one day we will be made fun of and teased because of who we are in Christ. Man, you ain't got to do all that. Pray before your food and all that. Man, just eat the food. Right? People will say things like that because they don't know who we are. They don't know whose we are. Right? So we're, we're on a different path. And so it's a reminder to us, right, to anticipate these kinds of things. We want to get to the point where we can count it all joy when we go through divers trials and temptations, right? That, 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 that comes from deep from within. That's not something we're just passing over, but it's, it's a mentality. It's a motive. And so Christians can count on difficulties. Um, How about you? How are you doing with the difficulties that you're faced with? Because I ask that because that comes with the territory. If we're going to be disciples and followers of Christ, we're going to take upon the nature of Christ in the sense of looking like Christ Depending upon God, Father, we're going to be doing those kinds of things. And so we we must be ready because we're going to have trials when we are being disciples. So Christians can count on individuals and even state authorities to oppress and ridicule God's people because We are unashamedly God's children. For example, turn with me to Acts 12. And again, this is a bit of persecution that is happening here. There it says, and uh, about that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belong to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a prayer meeting, right? We met this morning. We had prayer in our prayer meeting down here, right? And we were lifting up those things to God that people were concerned about. We were concerned about one another. Some of, some of our people are sick and not here. We prayed for them. We prayed for others as it related to just the Lord blessing us. We praised him together for that. You know, there's so many benefits for praise and for prayer. And here in this case, we saw God's people praying for a brother. And we know that at the end of the story, after praying to God, and these, you can consider these rocket prayers. You ever had a rocket prayer? You didn't have time to to get over in the corner and sit by yourself and pray. You're just on your way to the meeting. Lord, help me in this meeting. Lord, help me. Whatever it was, whatever trial, you're in hospital, whatever it was, we had to pray quickly. And I believe they prayed in this way because he was arrested and he was about to be released. 
uh, and even killed possibly, right? But here we see that they had the Lord on their side. And by nightfall, the Lord sent an angel of the Lord to rescue Peter out of prison because of the prayers of God's people. To express more clear as what Paul meant in verse 24, um, as it relates to us sharing in Christ's suffering, um, in 2 Corinthians 1, verses 5 and 6, Paul states these words, For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Now, if, if you were to flip over to, chapters, um, to chapter 4, verses 10 through 12, you see the same consistency with Paul. He adds, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that, life, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Now, now to be clear, we, we do not share in the atoning sacrifice Jesus made on the cross, right? He did that. He said it was finished once and for all. However, we do share in the leftovers. You see, he's still working, Right? And brothers and sisters are being persecuted, right? We have opportunities to serve God. And so we have the privilege of sharing in the leftovers. We don't share in the redeeming works of Christ. But we, also, we do share in the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? Wherever we go, we're to be slinging seed everywhere. The gospel of Jesus Christ, because God is at work in us. You see? And so we do have a role. We can share in the sufferings of Christ. This is what Paul had hoped for. He wanted all peoples to hear the gospel and the necessary means to live by it. And it didn't matter who you was. He saw this for both Jews and Gentiles. So that's why he states in, in this verse, he is filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, that is the church. Paul recognized that the church has work to do in sharing in the afflictions of Christ. He wanted to make things complete by sharing in the things that was left over for the sake of Christ and the church. It's as, Paul, it's as if Paul was um, in a, in, in, in along the side, Christ hit the home run, Paul, Paul got his back. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to hit this right out the park. Right. He he's wanting to now the game is already won. The Lord have already won. But Paul is saying, if I get a hit, though, I'm good. Right. So Paul is saying, I want to share in this grand scheme of things where Christ is saving those who are his. And so the Holy Spirit in his divine wisdom saw the benefits of suffering as a mean, means to help the church glorify Christ, and share in his glory. This is necessary because Christians, we get weak, right? We get weak at times and weakness can easily lead to what? 
sin. Right? When we put our guards down, we can find ourselves stumbling and falling into sin. Therefore, (coughs) it is important for us, it is important for us to remember that the cross of Christ and his resurrection accomplished for us everything we need for life and for godliness. We got to get this here. Right? It's important for us to remember that the cross of Christ and his resurrection accomplished for us everything we need for life and for godliness. This is important. And so we must we must remember this fact. We must recognize it. We must acknowledge it so that when weakness comes, we can find our footing upon the rock. Understanding this crucial fact is vital for Christian living. The next thing I'd like to say is, are, are you pursuing the glory of God in Christ through sacrificial service? In other words, proclaim the message of Christ through acts of service. Right? The way we live, we're identifying either with the world or with Christ. So we're able to to pursue the glory of God in Christ through how we serve one another. And so we proclaim the message of Christ through acts of service. This thought is implied in verses 25 and 26. In context, our text addresses the problem of how Christians must approach hardship in ministry. The solution is the servants of God must proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ through acts of sacrificial service. Listen again to the Apostle Paul. Let's let's take it from the end of verse 24. Paul states, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became a minister from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. Again, Paul is not saying that something was somehow lacking in Christ. Paul was glad he had the opportunity as an apostle of Jesus Christ to participate in the ongoing suffering in his body for the sake of the church. Paul accepted his ministry and his role in allowing the gospel to go forward. Examples of this are seen in Ephesians 3, 1 and 2, when Paul made similar statements. There he states in reference to his ministry, For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, On behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. In these verses, Paul recognizes his call to preach the gospel as a stewardship from God. How do you see your ministry? How do you see what you do for Christ? Do you see it as a stewardship from God or something else? Right? Doesn't that change things? Now, whatever I'm doing, it doesn't matter how people treat me. Right? Because ultimately, I'm serving God. Now, people may benefit from what I'm doing. But ultimately, I'm serving God. 
and people happen to be the beneficiaries of what I'm doing because of my relationship with God. You see? And so Paul recognizes this. And so Paul takes his stewardship, right? He takes, <coughs> excuse me, he takes this idea of stewardship and he owns it, right? He don't leave when things get hard and when things get difficult. He said, I'm still standing, right? Not because I'm strong, but because of who I am in Christ. You see? And so that's the call on Paul's life. The word stewardship takes us to the idea of being a servant, right? It takes us to the idea of being a slave, stewarding the things of God. And in his case, it's preaching the word of God. The truth is, all believers are ministers. We're all ministers and trustees of the gifts and the abilities that God has given us. Watch it for the church, right? It's not to put us on a pedestal. The gifting that God gives us are not ours. We're stewards over those gifts. It matters what we're doing with them, right? So we're all trustees of the gospel. Paul understood his role as a servant of the Lord. This is not the case with all of us. Right. God, in his administration, selected Paul to continue the ministry by filling up what was lacking in Christ's affliction. He did this through preaching and teaching. That's why he stated that his stewardship was given to him by God to make the word of God fully known to the Gentiles. Paul knew what he was called to do. And he took it by the horns, right? And so Paul recognizes that. And that's why he recognizes his stewardship. Paul taught the church through preaching and teaching. He opened the scriptures for the Gentiles, teaching them the meaning and the significance of the Old Testament text. Until then, these Old Testament passages, the scripture says, have been hidden, right? They've been hidden from them and was therefore a mystery for generations. In 1 Corinthians 2 and 7, we read it earlier, Paul states, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. Paul recognized that these things were hidden at first, but now they've been manifested to God's saints in full. Now, the gospel is for all those who would believe in Jesus Christ. When Christ died on the cross for us, he opened up everything. Everything that which was a mystery wasn't anymore. This was God's redemptive plan. And so now Jew and Gentile can know the Lord Jesus Christ by their faith. They can come near to God. The curtain is torn. So the question is, what is your role within the church? Do we accept it as ministry? And if so, what are our motives? Do we serve out of a pure heart or do we complain about what's wrong? How do we perceive our ministry to the church? It matters because wrong thoughts produces wrong action. Next, are you pursuing the glory of God in Christ? in secret and in strategy. What do I mean by that? This is another way of saying mystery and wisdom. 
So, so put faith in Christ, for he lives in you and works among you. We're going to see this in verses 27 and 28. 27, this verse states, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Paul is now focusing our attention on the reality that these Gentile converts is now identified with Christ as God's chosen people. It's important that we know who we are, right? It's important for us to know our identity, and Paul is making that clear. In other words, he's saying to the Gentiles, we're family. We're family. So, Christ, Christ made us his elect people. We are the chosen of God. That which was secret is in, now in plain view. The Lord was afar off from these Gentile believers, but God took away the blinders so that Gentile believers might see. We all were at one time blind and did not know the Lord. But then the Lord took the blinders off and massaged in our eyes the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we were able to come by faith and to know the Lord and be adopted into his family, having all rights and privileges. That's who we are. And so when this happens, Christ becomes our hope of glory. He dwells among us, and he is in us. Because apart from Christ, we are a hopeless people. Christ is our hope of glory. That's the secret. Christ is our hope of glory. In other words, the world can't relate to this because they don't know Christ. This is the mystery that has been revealed and manifested for all who would believe. And so now Gentile, Gentile believers can share in the glory of God through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have everything we need in Christ. We have it all in Christ. Paul states it like this in Philippians 4, 19. And my God will supply my every need of yours according to his riches, right? In glory in Christ Jesus. That's who we are and that's who we have. We are God's children and we have everything that we need in him. So, since we are not our own anymore, because we belong to Christ, we can have intimate relationship with the Lord. The other side of the coin is not only does Christ live in us, but he is among us because of the relationship. The truth gives us the hope of glory. Jesus is the king of glory. Salvation comes through him. If you're here today and you don't believe, if you don't know him, believe today and be saved. Trust that he died for your sins, was buried, and rose again from the grave with all power and is now seated at the right hand of God. Believe. Be saved. Be adopted into his family, not on the basis of your own works, but solely on the basis of what he has done for you. In other words, receive the riches of his glory by what he has offered to you. No works, faith alone. Be saved on the basis of what he did for you. That's good news. Amen?
But here's the problem. Let me give you the other side. If we try to approach God on our own and we fail one iota, we are disqualified. And therefore, God is going to give us what we deserve. And the scripture says that the wages of sin is death. So God is going to give us that death. And that death means that we will go to hell and eternally be be separated from God forever. So that's why the angelion is sweet. That's why we call it good news. Right? Because we know what we deserve. Right? We deserve Righteous indignation, righteous wrath, but God who is rich in mercy loved us while we were sinners, dead in trespasses and in sin. Christ died and loved us anyway, despite ourselves. And all he said was come. Come, receive my grace. You don't have to pay for it. You don't have to buy it. Come. Receive my love. And there will be many, unfortunately, in our own families that will walk away from the love of God. So, hopefully there's no one here that would allow that to happen. If you're not saved, hopefully this will be the last day you would represent an unbeliever. Come to Jesus. Know him for yourself. But you know what? Oh, man. Ain't nothing going to be like this. You know, I, I'm, I'm thinking about an after party. <laughs> you know, you ever been to somewhere and they say, yeah, man, we're going to the after party. We're going to. Have a good time after the game or whatever. That ain't got nothing. Can you imagine the joy we will have when, when we are at the throne of grace? There will be no more tears, no more pain, no more sickness, no more disease, no more people leaving. And, and all of the things has to do with this world. We will have a euphoria we can't even imagine, right? This is what God is saying. He's saying, I want everyone to come to the after party, right? But but place your hope in me. In verse 5 of this same chapter, Paul states something similar relating to the final glory. We will receive our glorified bodies. I won't need contacts anymore. I won't have to worry about fitting. I won't have to worry about prescription, right? I'm going to be able to see everything as it is without anything disturbing it. It's going to be glorified and perfect, right? And, and I think this is what Paul is gripping, and that, that's what allows him to hold fast in the midst of affliction and pain and difficulty and loss, he's able to stand still. So Paul stated stated this in Colossians 1.5, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. You see that? That's the after party. Of this you have heard before the word of the truth, the gospel. Next, are you pursuing the glory of God in Christ in your strategy? In other words, are, are you making wise decisions? Right? That's the question we are, we're faced with. Christianity is not simply a body of knowledge we've gained or a religious right or an ethical standard we're trying to keep. Not at all. Instead, it's about a personal relationship with the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, the great I Am, the one who owns it all, will come back and judge one day. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so, we must remember 
that Paul gives us this strategy we have in Christ in Colossians 1.28. He says, we proclaim warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Now, who is Paul talking about? We see it three times in the text. Everyone, 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 right? And how did he say that? He says by teaching, right? By warning, by proclaiming that we may present everyone mature in Christ. We must warn everyone through the preaching of the word of God, through the teaching of God's word, while being wise in every way. In other words, we're not just just blowing off shots, you know. The scripture, even Paul says, you know, I'm not like one that is beating the air, right? But he's waiting for the proper time that he might strike whatever he's trying to hit, right? In other words, we're not to be foolish in our living for Christ, but we're to be particular. We're to be uh, specific. We're to be intentional, Right? The wisdom of God will always prove better in the long run in comparison to the world's wisdom. The goal for the church is that all might might become mature in Christ. So Paul in 1 Corinthians uh, 2 and 6 say this again, yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, right? Although it is not a wisdom of this age, are the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, right? Then he says in uh, 1 Corinthians 4.20, Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. What are you willing to do to make this happen? What are you willing to give to make this happen? For us as a church, we've been called to be like Christ. If you haven't already, think of a way in which you might want to serve God's people. Let us know. Let the elders know that we might assist you in your service. And lastly, I'll close with this. Are you pursuing the glory of God in Christ and struggle? Right? We talked about suffering, but Paul talks about how he's motivated to do what he do. So he's talking about the struggling aspects of why he's, why he's able to continue. In other words, this means to put faith to work. Right? Um, verse 29, one, uh, Colossians 1.29, For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, that he might powerfully work within me. So Paul's ministry was driven by his passion to sacrificially serve the church by the power and energy that the Lord was was working in him. That is why he said, for this I toil. Right? What is the this? That this is right before it, him we proclaim, warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom. Here's the thing, here's the this, that we might present everyone mature in Christ. You see? So as Christians, we will struggle to continue in the fight to glorify God in all things. But this also affirms our adoption as children. Right? It develops our desire to trust God more. And it builds our character. And together, guess what? We can deepen our fellowship. We can deepen our relationship. So in conclusion, I said in the beginning, Christians should know the Lord personally, intimately, reverently, theologically, and practically. Do you know him in those ways? 
Are you pursuing Christ in those ways? There are some, re- there are some ways Christians can know God. Here's what I want you to know. I'll say it again. Though the sufferings of Christ, through the sufferings of Christ, upon the cross, and by the shedding of his blood, we have confidence to share in his glory because Jesus lives and is at work in us. So, Paul's purpose was to make the word of God fully known to the church for their sake. Paul's action was he proclaimed Christ. Paul's purpose was to present everyone mature in Christ. His action was for this reason. This is why I work. This is why I taught, toil. So, what's your aim? Why are you doing what you're doing? What's your reason? How do you share in the glory of God? If you haven't already, begin your pursuit. Think about how you can pursue God for his glory that we might share together in the sufferings of Christ. Let us pray. Our Lord and our God, we thank you for your word. And we pray that your word will remain on our minds, that we might be your slaves, that we might serve you and honor you and do all for your glory. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.